0: Hi, my name is Jui Wong. I'm the CEO at Oloplex. And what I love about beauty is forever changing. From New
1: York City, you're listening to Beauty Is Your Business, covering the intersection of innovation and business in the beauty industry. Welcome to Beauty is Your Business. I'm Denise Dante, your co-host for today. and I'm here with my friend, business partner, and colleague at Buzz Beauty, Jessica Quick. Hi, Jessica. Hey, Denise. And we're joined by Julie Wong, who we're so excited to have on the show. So thank you so much for joining us today.
0: Well, of course, thank you for having me. Well, you are really
1: what we refer to as a power player in this industry. You've been in the industry, you're leading a company that is just killing it in the market right now. And we would absolutely love to hear from you about your journey into beauty and how you
0: got here. Well, thank you for the question. But before I take full credit for, you know, what is happening in the industry, I have to say that my team has really gotten the brand this far. I have been the real lucky beneficiary for having been on this journey with them. And so I really want to give a shout out to the Olaplex team. And as to my journey, it's pretty unconventional in that I did not start off in beauty. I really spent 12 years as a commodities trader. The last two of that 12 years, I was balancing foreign exchange for PepsiCo. I ended my commodities trading career as a Forex and a crude oil trader. So if anybody who thinks that if you put in 10 to 12 years of your career and to make a switch, you either are, you know, there to dream or you're a fool. So whichever classes I fall into, I will take it. Well, what then happened was I knew that having had that kind of experience, and if I really wanted to go into beauty, And at that time, I really didn't think of it as beauty or something different. I just wanted to join an international company. And I happened to relocate to Arizona with my family. And I then decided that Dial Corporation was really the most global company based out of Scottsdale, Arizona, where I was living. So I joined them as a brand manager, took a huge position cut. I was a director at PepsiCo. I was on their board to end up being a brand manager was either somebody was telling me like, in fact, my boss who hired me asked me, are you very sure? I said, yes, I'm starting ground up because I need to learn the ropes of being a good brand manager. And I've never regretted that because being a good brand manager meant that I knew how to look at data. I also knew how to use that data to make decisions and ultimately work with people from all over cross-functionally to make sure that we get what we want for the brand voice to be executed. And then the rest is really history. From Dial, I then went on to smaller indie brands like Murad, private equity-backed portfolio brands. And then that's where I am today.
2: As a fellow marketer, I love that you started from the ground up in brand management and the pieces that you talk about, really understanding the data and analyzing the consumer behavior and how to make the right decisions for the brand. It is truly where the best education happens. What did you bring from the commodity trade side of the business? What did you bring with you into the brand management role? I'm sure there must have been some skill parallels there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. As a commodities trader, you learn to think on your feet. You make decisions That are pretty big. I mean, like every decision that I made on the trading floor with my trade partners is at least $2.5 billion. So it wasn't something that I could just make a huge mistake on because you can't recover very well. And when it comes to Forex, it's even more dynamic. So I knew that in a brand management role, while I did not have to make decisions that fast, I also knew consumer sentiments were only as good as what they want and what they need. And therefore being able to incorporate those consumer insights into our product development and then ultimately into our product rollout and our voice of the brand. Plus, I was also responsible for international, which means that There were also different localization and globalization requirements at that time. All of us have heard of that phrase, you know, think global and act local. But at that time, it wasn't really a phrase, but we knew that we needed to really help with the local messaging. And what I found very interesting was things that was considered a mass item in the U.S. For instance, the Dow Corporation at that time acquired Freeman Cosmetics, was considered a grocery brand in the U.S., but was considered some sort of a mestige brand in Korea. So I was able to really position it quite differently and be able to leverage the U.S. sort of appeal and be able to kind of take that into international. So all of that really came from trading because in trading, you need to cross time zones, cross markets and cross demands. And when you are able to kind of bring all that together, success happens.
1: We embrace your love for international very much. It is what our careers are in as well. And we love the challenge that it brings and the complexity. Pivoting to where you're at now and leading Olaplex, super interesting to hear a little bit about the history of Olaplex and how it started and really the need that it's answering now.
0: No, and that's a fantastic question because the genesis of Olaplex was truly very much about what is it in it for the hairdressers? It wasn't really what is it in it for the brand. Most brands start off by kind of saying, I want to start a business there is a need to fulfill. Our founder, Dean Krista, was very clear. He wanted to find a solution for the hairstylist to be able to help them with their craft without them always feeling a high anxiety when they were doing coloring services or any kind of chemical services. As most women can appreciate, when you go in and have your hair colored or chemically treated or digitally permed, or even just having a standalone treatment of a hydrating hair mask, you always expect to turn out beautiful. I mean, nobody walks into a chair and think that, oh, you know, all things are going to go wrong. But for the hairdressers up until Oloplax, it was always very nerve-wracking because when they took the client to the bowl and started removing the foils, sometimes they see the hair breakage. When Oloplex became available to them, that was no longer their worry. Now what able to do was elevate their craft. So having that genesis, starting in that back bar with a professional and being in it for them to win it, I think Oloplex really won the hearts, minds and souls of the hair professionals. And as we all know, people tend to say hair professionals are very emotional. I like to say that hair professionals are emotionally intelligent. They know when to really lean in to their client, when to lean out, when to listen to them, when to help them. And no amount of psychology that you can go to school for can help you be that emotionally empathetic. And I think hairdressers, innately has that in themselves. And so long story short to today, what our team has done is to keep that DNA really strong and always putting the professional community first and everything else then follows. And this is the reason why Oloplex has such a strong, what I call a synergistic omni-channel when most brands are trying to manage channel conflict, we actually see that each of our channel, whether it's pro, where it builds our authority, retail, where it builds our brand awareness, and direct-to-consumer gives us brand convenience, gives the consumer the ability to find us 24-7, and in the case of our own Oloplex.com, we have consumer insights. All three channels rises when we are able to be able to serve the consumers consistently across all channels.
1: As a hairdresser myself, I started my career in coloring hair, and I can tell you the anxiety of opening the foil packet. It is a moment of truth, and you really question, is the color right? Will I have hair left? And when I saw this brand boom in the market, really wasn't surprised because it is such an unmet need. And the confidence that this brand is able to give both the consumer and the hairdresser is unbelievable. So it's really been a game changer. And I love the fact that you credit your team because you're absolutely right. It does. It takes a lot of people to bring something to market and to win. But I have to really thank you on behalf of hairdressers for getting behind it, staying behind it and being actively supportive of the hairdressers at the same time, managing that channel distribution. So the consumer can also have beautiful hair and the opportunity to purchase the product wherever she feels fit. So just thank you for that. It's amazing.
0: Well, thank you so much for you know, recognizing that too, because our goal is never to do what we call compromise the professional. The Professional Beauty Association actually shows with data proves that a good majority, up to 90% of hair professionals are what we call single payroll entity. So they really don't have the budget to market, to bring in clients, to acquire new customers and to retain them. What we are able to do through our other channels of distribution, elevate the brand awareness so that they focus on their craft, they focus on what they do best, and consumers can come in and ask for Oloplex by name. And when that happens, I always like to say, All boats, you know, rises as such. In fact, my COO is the one, Tiffany Warden, uses this analogy a lot and now he has become the lexicon of the company because when everyone recognizes Olaplex, guess what happens? Everyone wins. The trade partners, the professionals, the clients and the industry and the category wins. And therefore, to me, it is very important that we do not get into a place where we end up forgetting who we serve. It is the hair professionals we serve who then serve the clients. And if we never forget that, you know, people talk about customer first. If you truly apply that, then everyone wins in this process.
2: The hair professional absolutely does get that connotation of being emotional. And I love that you said they're emotionally intelligent because that truly is one of the biggest skill sets that they have. And many times that does overshadow Most hairdressers really do want to understand the science. They do are really intelligent about chemicals and how it works. And I think the other element of Olaplex that I find fascinating is the science that's in it, the patents particularly. So I'd love to hear a little bit more because the hair professionals definitely have understood that part and know why this brand stands out.
0: Absolutely. Again, we were the creator of the bond building category. And as you all know, Hairdressers are much smarter than me when it comes to the size of the hair. They go through hundreds of hours of schooling to study the biology, the chemistry of the hair shaft. And if you know that on the outside is the cuticle, on the inside is the cortex, and right in the middle is the mandula. And what Oloplex is able to do is to get right into the mandula and really repair the hair bonds. And when you do that, hair then becomes hair agnostic. This is the reason why we can say Oloplex is great for all hair types, because our technology repairs the hair bonds. And once the bonds are repaired, guess what? It's like your skin. If your skin has a good canvas and your hair's bonds are repaired, then whatever you do to it is going to be that much better. And we are excited because when you have technology that can serve up this kind of benefit, Why don't you just make that happen and make that readily available? And this is why you will find our patented technology, Bisamino, is in every one of our products. And we want to make sure that everyone who uses it knows that they can see a difference in their hair in the very first application. That's the power of the technology.
1: Well, and I guess that leads to the fact that you are number one, as I understand it, in the hair care section at Sephora. And also just nailing it on Amazon as well. So the success that is happening both at hair salons, in retail and online, it really does resonate with everyone. So that is just a wonderful place for a brand like Olaplex to be. When you're a science brand, sometimes It can get lost on the consumer from the standpoint of how do you convey these hundred plus patents to the consumer? How do you make the science part of it also sexy and beautiful? And I know that you've got a big initiative happening with TikTok and some of the other social channels. And I know you're really hot on TikTok. So can you talk about how to transition the science side into that consumer piece?
0: I think for hair, hair transformation is the key for people to understand the benefits of science and technology. I can talk to, I'm blue in the face all day long, how great the technology is and what it does. But as soon as somebody sees the hair transformation in one use, they are sold. And I feel like we are very fortunate because we have the science and technology like skincare, but the transformation equities like color cosmetics, where you can actually see the difference. So therefore, social media platforms, whether it's TikTok, whether it's Instagram or Facebook, is a great medium for us to really showcase what it can be done. So it's easy for me to say how great the product is, but it's another whole dimension for the consumer to see it for themselves. And we actually make it a point that all the hair content that we pushed out that is Olaplex. Is unfiltered, unretouched because we are unapologetic about the performance and we believe our customers are all unstoppable.
2: So from a social media standpoint, and of course, I loved how you said the synergistic channels and to Denise's point about the need to speak to the different consumers that you have from the hair bro to the end consumer directly. And even within that, we know generationally and so on. Inside the company, do you build your teams according to the channels or are you using a different type of strategy in order to make sure that the message resonates with the right platform?
0: So everyone in our company, first and foremost, understand that the hair professional is the community that we serve. They are not the community that we sell to. We are very clear about that. And secondly, in the entire organization, we make sure that when we are together, because you know we are still a remote culture, we have been a remote culture since 2014. So that is how progressive this company is, right? Before WFH was an acronym, we were already practicing it. So when we all come together, the hairstylists amongst us, unfortunately, I'm not one of them, but I'm the beneficiary of knowing their artistry, their craft, and their emotional connection with everyone that they come together we always make sure that we have a forum where the hairdressers in amongst us have the ability to share with us what they are seeing firsthand at behind the chair and then for the rest of us to really take it in whether it comes to sales initiatives marketing initiatives product development initiatives the way we communicate the way we understand how important it is to treat each other And never take ourselves too seriously because at the end of the day, we make people beautiful. Nobody dies under our watch. So that is something that we are so proud of. And so with that said, I think, you know, as a group, we are very mindful of the community that we serve and how important it is that we never forget that.
1: And thinking about sort of down the road and the future for Olaplex, how do you see sustainability folding into this piece from packaging to products to supply chain and those types of things and your sustainability position?
0: I am so glad you asked this question. Again, this company started in 2014 without even thinking whether it's sustainability or environmentally responsible. They just felt like it was the right thing to do. We have consistently not used secondary packaging in any of our products unless we absolutely have to, in the case of the bank bar products, because it comes in a set. And in our retail product, which is number seven, which is our bonding oil, it's very small and is a bottle that is clear, so we needed a box for it. But when you look at that, we are able to quantify independently with an international paper board and give them Everything that we have sold, and if we were to use boxes instead of not having boxes for those that we have, what does that mean? And they were able to come back and tabulate for us and document for us that we saved something like 23 million pounds of greenhouse gas from being emitted to the environment. Something like 30, more than 30 million uh, tons of water, gallons, sorry, gallons of water from being wasted and 29,000 trees from being deforested. And my mantra has always been, prevention is better than cure. I'd rather not have to pay for carbon penance, but rather not do no harm to the environment as far as possible. So we will continue to be very mindful of our carbon footprint. We will continue to, wherever possible, look at clean ingredients, which we are certified as clean at Sephora, but very importantly, everything that we do is how can we be responsible by doing no harm first?
1: Your sustainability mission is very, very impressive. And I think being an international brand, not having outer boxes and outer containers can certainly be a challenge. So how do you address that component of it if you don't have all of that extra space on all of those boxes to be a
0: global brand like you are? So what we do have is that we do over-label things differently for international, and that means that we have to have a separate SKU, but I'd rather do that than put it in a common global SKU and have that carbon footprint that we could minimize. So that's why I say we are very deliberate in our decision-making. It may cost us more, but if it helps the environment at the end, It is well worth it because, again, our mantra is when we do well, we want to do good as well. Beautiful, beautiful mantra.
2: Speaking to international, we also, Denise and I, have found that there isn't a global skew possibility due to the regulations and the different needs and so forth. So today, how many markets is Olaplex available in and within that, are you able to ship here from the U.S. directly or are you utilizing in-market options in order to be able to continue that process?
0: We are in 60 plus different countries and we all have the opportunity to have warehousing in different places. At the moment, we do have a warehouse in the UK and a warehouse in Netherlands, and then the ability to also contract manufacture in different locations, again, minimizing our carbon footprint in terms of transportation. So all of these decisions are definitely taken as a result of supply chain constraints, but also in the benefits of understanding what it means to the environment was also an impetus for us in making those decisions.
2: It's so interesting because I would say the conversation happening in our industry now about the localization of producing your products, keeping your products... We are absolutely seeing that. And I know the supply chain, like you said, definitely became a catalyst, but smart brands like Olaplex were already onto this prior, that if you can produce locally or store locally, you can reduce your transportation. You can reduce your amount of time in POs waiting for products to get there. Also, what I love that you said earlier about the localization, think global and act local, By also being present in the market, you are able to then react obviously quickly to the changing consumer demand, which you know better than anyone. So I applaud your team for really seeing that and and for doing that. And I love that you guys are part of this conversation about being in the marketplaces that you're selling.
0: Well, thank you for recognizing that. It's not easy because I think you know at the end of the day, it takes everyone pulling in the same direction. And in our case, it was less about trying to convince someone, it's about showing how we can amplify our performance. And that has always been, you know, how Olaplex is driven. And I have been fortunate because I've learned so much more from this team than I think they have learned from me.
2: You have actually, through your career, led quite a few teams through change. So... Is there a piece of advice that you can give us from really manning teams that have been through change, especially in this environment with the remote work from home piece? Love to hear something from your experience on that.
0: I think I'm consistent is that every team that I have led, I always walk in and let them know the legacy is always going to be theirs. I am not going to be building that legacy. They were there before me. They will be there long after me. And what I want to do is I want to push them and give them that latitude to be as good and great as they are. But I want to be there and I always tell them, I have a net right underneath you should you fall. And therefore, go spread your wings because in my career, I have been very fortunate. I have mentors and people who really supported me and gave me that same ability to fly and to really stretch myself. And I therefore believe I need to do the same. And I've always been that way because I do believe every team. I always ask a few questions. I will ask the team, how many of you here started this job and basically said, I don't want to make a bonus. I don't want to be promoted. I just want to coast and I'm very happy. No, everybody started on the job with so much fervor. I want to do my best. I want to make a difference. Along the way, if that fire started dying, has nothing to do with them, has everything to do with leadership. That is why I always tell people, it's not the people, it's the management team. And if you guys cannot see that, then we have a problem. And this is the reason why I've been able to work with so many different private equity-backed portfolio brands, because when the team knows that I'm here to get them to back to where that fire was in their belly they then will support me 100% because I'm not here to make them look bad. I'm here to make them look good, and then I'll clear out of the way because, like I say, the legacy is theirs. It's not mine.
1: I've heard you say, do what scares you, and I really love that phrase. What are some of the things that you have either done yourself that scared you or have you encouraged other people to do that has really scared and pushed them, maybe as a
0: team member? Yeah, I think first and foremost, if you think about myself, I have been with so many turnarounds. Moroccan oil and Olaplex are the only different. They are both growth brands. But when you're in a turnaround situation, what scares me is you are never there for the long term, right? I mean, like you are brought in to do a very specific thing, turn it around, exit, transact, do whatever it needs to do. But most importantly, do not mortgage the future, So when you know that you have a relatively short time with any company, the whole idea is what happens next. That feeling of uncertainty scares some people. It scared me initially, but it doesn't scare me anymore because each time when something like this happens, I know that the teams are better for it. And the proof of the pudding is usually never during the time that you're there because you feel like, am I doing the right thing? and no one is going to be a brown noser and keeps telling you you're doing a great job, right? Everybody just kind of like roll along. It's only when you leave and then you see what they do for you. And I remember every team that I have left has given me something, whether it's a write-up, whether it's a gift, whether it's a letter that says exactly what I hope I was a leader for them and to them. And with that, I think, you know, that is the best reward And therefore, it allowed me to go from doing something that frightens me to something that doesn't frighten me anymore. And I feel like that's my calling of sorts. But what I would advise other people coming into the space is when it's not your comfort zone, sometimes it's very good. Guess why? You are never going to leave any stone unturned, right? When it's not your comfort zone, when it's something you do well, you're going to like cross all your T's and dot all your I's and ask for all the advice and take nothing for granted, I think that is what keeps you really sharp and then really relevant and also add a lot of value to whoever you are partnering with.
2: Well, it's a true testament to a leader when they can leave a team and the team in turn supports them and obviously bestows amazing words or references or referrals. All of that does really show leadership. And I think what's really fascinating about what you said is in our world today, you know, CEOs, they do have a pretty short lifespan. And so this ability to have the bigger picture and know you may not be in one place very long, but overall there's understanding of a reputation of how you're perceived and knowing that's the bigger picture and keeping that in mind while you do the hard job, because to come in and lead a turnaround, it's really hard. And we've, Denise and I have both been there where you get pinned with things and things fall in your lap that weren't your issue, but now are. So it's very challenging. And I think the advice that you have is it's very relevant in this industry, especially.
0: Yeah. But remember also you are given, I always remember what the Rotary Club's motto is. Like if you are given greatness, then greatness is expected out of you. So, you know, you are given the job, then you better do the job. If you don't want to do it, then Don't take it because you're occupying space and occupying air that someone else could do better.
1: So how do you get people when you step into a new company or you have your existing role? How do you get them to follow the direction and follow the path that you are looking ahead on and getting them to see the vision as you see it? Do you have any tips for that?
0: Yeah, I think what is very important is, like what I said earlier on, is you look at the team. Most times, right, the team got the company very far. I mean, that is why it got acquired by a private equity or it got additional investment. The brand did not just happen on its own. It didn't grow to what it was to be that desirable on its own. And there are people within, and like anything, a brand on its own is nothing without the people. So for me, the people is key. And I have never, throughout my career, I have never brought in my own people. I've always come in and I look at the team and I ask myself, how and where and how much can we do together? Because I know by working with the existing team, I can turn it around faster than trying to bring on new team members who needs time to acclimate and time to, you know, get relevant within the existing community. So for me, it is about myself. And there's a reason why we have two ears and a mouth. Actually, I'm very guilty of that. I talk more than I listen. But this is where I generally, when I go into a company like this, I remind myself, listen and say less. And when you listen and you understand what is are the missing pieces you can be more effective as a leader
2: we say all the time about speed to market when we talk about product and the fact that you just linked speed to market with a team i think is a super interesting concept and i'm sure for a later date to dive into because i agree Julie. i think there's something about being able to use the talent and understanding what you have to know that you can do things quicker, especially when you need to move fast in a market. Consumer behavior is changing. Market dynamics are changing. You don't have time to nine-month onboard the most stellar ops person of all time. So there is something really, really interesting there. And I really appreciate that concept coming up because I think there's a lot to dive into at a later date.
1: So if you weren't the CEO of Olaplex, what would you be doing? Do you have any type of secret desire to do something else? Were you heading in a different direction and ended up here? Curious.
0: I think I'm somebody who's very open to a lot of things. I mean, like the way my life has rolled out has always been taking opportunities and, you know, sort of like, and leaning into it. But I think if I wasn't CEO at Olaplex, I probably would love to be, helping with the Humane Society, ASPCA, anything to do with animals is like my wheelhouse. I love it, but I'm not sure if my heart can take it because it is emotionally just, I mean, I had two dogs before and when they both passed, I have not been able to go foster another one because the emotional pain and the loss was just so deep that I still cry when I think about it.
1: Well, you clearly have a passion for people, pets and product. So it really does come across so the three P's. Yeah, people, pets and product. And it really does come across, I think that you really have combined that heart and knowledge. And yet that comes across. So it's meaningful. It's wonderful to see an, a senior level CEO such as yourself. And it's something to really celebrate. So on that note, if people did want to reach out to you or did want to connect with you, how
2: would they do that?
0: Good old LinkedIn. They can find me there.
2: Thank you so much, Dewey, for the time today. It really was a pleasure to speak with you. I agree with Denise's sentiments. You are probably one of the biggest risk takers we've ever spoken with. And I find that very interesting. But then your heart also is so, so big and really appreciate you sharing all of this with us today.
0: Well, thank you for giving me the opportunity.
2: This has
1: been Beauty Is Your Business. Produced by Mouth Media Network. Keep in touch on Instagram and Facebook at Mouth Media Network. And find prior episodes at beautyisyourbusiness.com and wherever the best podcasts are found. Your brand message can be on this show. Email us to find out more at podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. Thank you for listening.